And hello and welcome everyone to this week's edition of Novak Now here on the Nachum Siegel Network. I'm Jake Novak. And as always, at the beginning of my program, I tell you how to find me on Twitter, at JakeJakeNY. And the reason is, a number of the issues that I'm going to be bringing up, a number of the thoughts, ideas, quotations, etc., that I'm going to be bringing up during this and all editions of Novak Now... Um, you'll find on the Twitter feed. In other words, if you if I reference something and you want to read the whole thing or watch the whole video or get a better handle on what I had to say about it, you can see it on the Twitter feed. And of course, if you search through all the great parts of the Nachum Siegel archives uh, on the app, you'll be able to listen to any Novak Now program that we've done for more than a year now um, here uh, as well. So that is uh, just a... A reminder of how you can follow this a little bit better. Um, you can always press pause and, and and check on the Twitter feed to see if there's something that you didn't, you know, you wanted to see more of or you didn't quite catch. And uh, I highly recommend that. Um, today's edition of Novak Now again, un- unable to break free, unfortunately, from the focus of the uh, at least starting with the focus of the coronavirus, but. Again, that's really just a jumping off point to some other issues that I'll talk about. Um, the biggest one, of course, being over the last week, the tremendous controversy started by the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, uh, when he literally singled out the Jewish community for breaking quarantine, or actually, in, in this case, social distancing and crowd control rules that the city had been imposing, or at least wanted to impose. And he literally singled the Jewish community out, using those words, the Jewish community. Um, And immediately there was a response from a lot of people who felt that the mayor was being anti-Semitic, felt that the mayor was ganging up on Jewish groups when other groups have been doing this as well. Um, My first reaction, and I did this publicly, and I'm not going to delete the tweet because I still feel some of this is, you know, the message is still valid I, I probably would put would weight it slightly differently, but I'm not going to delete the tweet dishonestly. Uh, my initial response to it was to partially, only partially defend Mayor de Blasio. I felt that his big mistake, that I, and I put this at the end of the tweet, maybe I should have put it at the beginning of the tweet, but I felt that his big mistake was, was literally sing, singling out the Jewish community. We know that there have been many other people in the city, not Jewish or Jewish, but going out and, and doing things not as a part of a Jewish communal exercise who have been breaking these social distancing rules, these crowd-level rules. Uh, I can think of a number of examples. The, the, the most vivid example is that if you drive anywhere in the five boroughs, even on days that are not so nice, over the last several weeks, you have seen very crowded public parks. I can think of another example, and the mayor himself, he and his wife were miles away from their home at a public park in Brooklyn, uh, I guess, two weeks ago. Um... Uh, there was a filming of a rap video in Canarsie at a barbershop in Canarsie, jam-packed with people as they were filming that video and crews on the outside of the barbershop. So there's a lot of examples of people other than Satmar or Haredi Jews get, gathering for mass funerals. Uh, examples of people who have been breaking the social distancing and crowd control rules. And so I partially defended the mayor and I said, well, if he had just said, I'm giving a warning to everyone don't do this, that would have been fine. Or if he had you know, gone through the trouble of making a much longer statement saying, I'm saying this to the Jewish community, the African-American community, the Latino community, uh, and, and gone on and on down the list, 
maybe the Irish community, whatever he wanted to say, he could have done that, but that would have been a little clunky. And as it turns out, though, the mayor made it worse after that. If you, if you thought that was bad, which I thought was bad, that he had singled out and said only the Jewish community in that, in that statement. And again, he didn't say, quote, inside the quote, only the Jewish community, end quote. He said, I, he said the Jewish community, quote, end quote. So that was, that was the mistake that he had made, and it was a big mistake. But he made it worse, inconceivably, but he did make it worse after that with a number of other fumbles. Um, and again, not cracking down on the continued breaking of the crowd control rules that we've seen from other groups, including this past weekend where a, I think, I guess it was an AP photographer. I know it was a credentialed reporter. I don't think it was from the New York Times. I believe it was an AP reporter. And again, you'll find this on my Twitter feed to clarify just for, for myself, but also for you. You'll find this on my Twitter feed from a couple of days ago. And by that, I mean over the, over the weekend, there was a credentialed reporter who took a picture of a very jammed park in the West Village. The mayor had nothing to say about that. The mayor didn't do anything about that. There was no police roundup. Um, further fumbles became, came to light as well in the days and hours after the mayor's statement, not the least of which being that apparently the funeral that he was basically, that started all this, that got him to talk, that got the mayor to make this statement, was apparently sanctioned by the NYPD, the Southmark community in this case, either after the funeral started or I guess I, I, clearly before the funeral started, but either very close to when the funeral started or maybe even days, you know, hours before. Couldn't have been days before, of course, because in the Jewish tradition, we, we, we conduct our funerals very quickly after our death. But anyway, apparently it was sanctioned and allowed by the NYPD, and they put up barricades and the whole thing. So the mayor seemed to have been misinformed in addition to singling out the Jewish community. This was a case of terrible, terrible messaging, and you can understand why a lot of people, including a lot of smart people, would immediately jump to the conclusion that this mayor is anti-Semitic. And, you know, one of the things I've learned to try to do, and I think we're all struggling with it, I think, I don't know anyone, even the people who espouse this idea, including myself, who can completely divorce themselves from doing this. But I try to divorce myself from pretending I know what other people are thinking. Um, Human beings are really bad mind readers. We're really bad at it. And understanding people's inner thoughts is really tough. Um, Even the psychiatrists don't always do it so well. (laughs) The so-called hypnotists don't do it so well. It's very difficult. So the idea that I know someone is anti-Semitic or deliberately hates Jewish people, I can only judge that from their actions. If someone attacks Jews, if someone yells at, you know, does this openly, of course, we, we can say they're anti-Semitic. That's not something you need to be a mind reader to, to get to. And the mayor has done some things that could lead a lot of people to believing that. I don't know whether, whether he dislikes Jewish people or, or in the, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, I don't dislike Jewish people, I just don't like Zionists and I don't like religious people, which of course is an anti-Semitic statement. You can't just say I don't like, it's one thing to say I don't like a certain type of person who commits a crime. That's a strange thing to say because everyone, every, people from every group commit crimes. But if you're, if you're equating being religious or being a Zionist as a crime of some kind or some kind of bad thing, then that's anti-Semitic. Uh, we can go into the whole list of what makes a person anti-Semitic, and, and that can be a longer discussion, and there are actual scholars about this who, you know, I really wish there were more people who were studying 
the origins of this kind of stuff more than, more um, as opposed to just kind of Jewish people who talk about it sometimes. But that's another issue for another time. Um, but the point is, more than just thinking about what the, what the mayor is thinking, we can talk about what he's done or not done. And of course, the mayor had been under tremendous scrutiny earlier this year and then in the later parts, latter parts of 2019, when there was a spike in anti-Semitic violent attacks, especially in Brooklyn, against Orthodox Jews, people who are easily identified as being religious Jews, and the mayor was seen as A, not doing enough about it, but B, and this goes back to the messaging problem that this mayor has, but B, the mayor decided to make it worse by assigning the blame for these attacks to white supremacy, which was just laughable on its face. Folks, the the Ku Klux Klan and white supremacists do not operate or exist in Brooklyn, New York. Period. These attacks were being carried out mostly by African Americans. There were some Latinos, I believe, who were uh, uh, putting these attacks out. This is not an anti-black or anti-Latino statement. I'm just stating a fact here. I'm not saying that they were more li- that they are more likely to commit these attacks in any other place or in any other time or for any reason other than the fact that they committed these <laughs> these crimes in this particular uh, period of time. And the mayor, very clearly for political reasons, decided to do two things. One is not to try to antagonize African-American and Latino leaders by saying there are African-Americans and Latinos who are attacking Jews, why, that, why the mayor saying that would be considered a blanket attack on all uh, African-Americans and Latinos, I don't know, but I guess this mayor and other people have a very low... And, and again, I'm, I'm getting into his head again, and I'm trying not to. But from what I understand of politicians all the time, they are very loath to say anything bad about any minority group that votes for them. That I don't need to be a mind reader to know, and neither do you. But there was also an attempt to try to smear Trump, President Trump, and Trump voters who have long been, by the news media, attached somehow to white supremacists. And I talk about this on my Twitter feed today, and I've talked about it many times before. I don't understand why the news media insists on being the PR firm for white supremacists by insisting on connecting them to popular movements. Now, they started this a few years ago with the Trump campaign. As, as soon as it started getting more and more popular, we heard more and more narratives in the news media about how white supremacists are connected to the Trump movement, which didn't do the Trump movement any favors, but it sure as heck did a big favor for the white supremacists. It gave them a tremendous cachet. It got, it got them publicity. And if you don't think it got them publicity, you should know that there are white supremacists who have appeared on CNN in recent years who otherwise wouldn't have been given the time of day. These people in the news media give white supremacists free public relations, free publicity, which is what they always craved. And they're doing it again now because one or two wackos with Nazi flags or Ku Klux Klan uh, paraphernalia or stuff like that have showed up at some of these end the COVID-19 lockdown uh, 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 protests. And instead of, instead of doing the, the journalistic work of researching just how many people like that were at these r- rallies, just what percentage of the rallies included these people, whether or not they had any connection to the leadership, whether they were really there just to, just to get publicity or if they actually believed in the movement or not, none of that was done. Instead, you've just seen tr- plenty of journalists continue to be the PR firm for white supremacists by now trying to equate them with the growing, growingly popular End the lockdown movement. Now, you may not like the end the lockdown movement. I mean, you may not like those protests. 
They may scare you. You may think they're being irresponsible. We can have that discussion at another time. But there is no evidence that they are in any way meaningfully connected to white supremacists in any way. Now, some of them are using rhetoric where they equate governors of states that are imposing lockdowns with Nazis and, w- and with Hitler. I get that. I get that. I'm not saying I agree with that. I, don't, I, I really don't like the use of those kinds of terms. But that doesn't mean they're white supremacists. I, I, I don't understand that. They're, they're saying that's bad. But no one who seems to be insisting on equating the two, like Jake Tapper at CNN did yesterday when he was interviewing the governor of Michigan, I mean, he just seemed very intent on making sure people knew there was a strong, again, his allegation that there's a strong number, large number of white supremacists involved in these end the lockdown movements, which is not true. And at the very least, it's certainly not been proven by any objective, in any objective measure. So we have the mayor of New York who... who played a, you know, a part of this very long chain that I think started, I would say it started in 2016, with an attempt to, to connect Trump to white supremacists and to give white supremacists extra PR, which is really all, all it did. And it continues, 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 continues. It's getting so tiresome when you hear anybody who either supports Trump or supports something that the left doesn't like, it's just so almost... You know, in, in lightning quickness, they will be equated with being a racist. They will be called a racist. They will be called a Nazi, the whole thing. It's, it's so tiresome, but they don't, but it's tiresome, I think, for objective, decent people, but apparently not for the people who are partisan to the left and, and virulently anti-conservative, anti-Republican, anti-white, whatever you want to call it. So Mayor de Blasio played a role in that chain late last year. When after every single attack on an Orthodox Jew in Brooklyn, and of course we had that deadly attack in Muncie, was done by an African-American or a Latino, not a white person, not a white supremacist, again, doesn't make it any worse or better who committed the crime. But the facts are the facts. And Mayor de Blasio, in more than just one statement, basically blamed this spike in attacks on Jews in Brooklyn and in his city on white supremacists that don't exist. Now, you understand why that's dangerous. Now, where... While it's dangerous on one hand because it makes people feel like, well, Trump supporters and white supremacists are, are bad, and that increases the divisions in the country. That's, that's bad. But what's even worse is whenever someone commits a crime or a group commits a crime or a group is attacking someone and they are not mentioned as the perpetrators of those actions, it enables them to do it more. You understand that? If the city is basically saying, if the city's political leader and Mayor de Blasio is saying, uh, it's someone else doing it. It's not the real criminals. It's not the real people who are doing this. And again, they're only criminals because they committed this act, not because they're a part of any racial group. Don't misunderstand me. But when the mayor excuses it, when the mayor uses another name or pretends somebody else did it, it in effect does excuse those people who are really doing it. It enables more attacks like this because it basically says you and your community will not be held responsible. And Mayor de Blasio was guilty of that back at the end of last year, coming into this year, doing the same thing. And so for him to single out the Jewish community now, it just, it really, it adds to a list of a lot of issues with this guy. Now, by all accounts that I'm hearing, Mayor de Blasio will not try to pull the same shenanigans that Mayor Bloomberg pulled to get a third term. 
You remember we had term limits imposed in New York City in the 1990s. So Mayor Giuliani only had two terms. And then Mayor Bloomberg, who succeeded him, was only, also only supposed to get two terms, but he got the city council to temporarily waive that rule for him, and he got a third term. From what I understand, Bill de Blasio is not going to be able to pull that off himself, and so he has not effectively really tried. I'm sure he put, it, put out some feelers here and there. But, so we're looking at the end of Bill de Blasio in... I guess a year and a half from now, a little bit more than a year and a half, he will no longer be the mayor of New York City. I don't know what the future holds from after that. I suppose he's hoping for a Democrat victory in the 2020 presidential election that might offer him some position in an administration of some kind. I can't imagine what that would be because he's basically always been kind of a campaign operative. He was a campaign operative for the Clintons. That's how Bill de Blasio really made his name in politics. But... You know, getting back to the point of, of just this person's, you know, Bill de Blasio's messaging, again, it's politics here. This is not a mind-reading operation. We know that when, politics, when politicians do things and their full-time job and career and, 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 and movement is politics, it is not mind-reading and it is not an exercise in, in mental gymnastics to assign politics as the reason for what they do. So when Bill de Blasio doesn't say that it was blacks and Latinos who have been attacking Jews in Brooklyn at heightened levels before this lockdown, it's a political move on his part, clearly to continue in the hopes that he would not alienate a group of voters that were more important to him, being African-Americans and Latinos, even though apparently he's not running for anything again very soon, but you never know. When Bill de Blasio singles out the Jewish community and doesn't mention other communities, for breaking lockdown rules, it's a political thing. And political things, politics can mess up a lot of things. They can mess up a lot of different kinds of messaging. And it's dangerous. It's dangerous when politics gets in the way of common sense. If politics gets in the way, and we we can, as New Yorkers, I think we can, we, we know exactly what this leads to. For some of the older folks listening to this program or people who are better students of history, you'll probably know, and, again, by, and, and I say better students of history because there's a lot of people who get blamed for the, the fall of New York City and its, its descent into higher crime totals that began in the 1950s all the way through the Giuliani years, really, for the most part, with a couple of pauses here and there. But there's a lot of people who get blamed for it, but really that beginning of that is the, is the administration of Mayor Wagner. Mayor Wagner, who was the mayor of New York City in the 1950s, who very early on in his administration believed that the right thing to do, or he said that the right thing, again, this was politics, but he politically got people to believe that the right thing to do for the city would be to stop cracking down on minor crime, get the cops off the subways for people who were jumping the turnstile or vandalizing the trains, stop the enforcement of rules against littering or breaking windows or that kind of thing, because that was really, that's the only nice thing to do. This was something that he was, this was an argument that he put together. I don't know if he ever really believed it, but he certainly politically put that message out. And we know now quite well that that was led to a disaster. First, it led to a disaster to the people who needed, who were supposedly being helped the most. The poor and the minority communities who were supposedly being you know, persecuted by the police. And, 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 and no one is denying that, the, that police in New York City and everywhere else 
weren't committing acts, racist acts and all kinds of things like that, as anybody does. You know, racism is, and, 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 and brutality and all those kinds of things exist everywhere, and they certainly aren't, aren't, go- aren't gone from the scene. But when you decide to allow petty crimes and vandalism and things like that, it's not Park Avenue and Fifth Avenue <clears throat> and fancy suburbs that suffer. It's the people who are already in the poor areas who suffer. It's their property or their homes or their area that gets less desirable. It's their area that no business is going to want to move into now. Because business owners can see that small crimes like shoplifting or vandalism are not going to be punished. And that was Mayor Wagner who started that. And yes, there are people like Mayor Lindsay and there were other types of politicians who played different roles in this failure in New York City. But it, it was Mayor Wagner, really. That's a focal point. It, it's just so clear. And, and for those of you, and, I'll, and, I'll, and, I, and I will tweet out his book, there was a, a, a fantastic book, really, about Mayor Lindsay, Mayor John Lindsay, by a friend of mine named Vincent Canato, who's a professor at UMass Amherst. And as he puts Mayor Lindsay to task for many of the failures, including crime-related failures, in his book, he also notes that so much of this started under Mayor Wagner. And I will, uh, I will put uh, that book uh, on my Twitter feed so you can read it. It's a fantastic book. It really helps you understand New York City very well. And then it's very important to read Robert Moses's book, The Power Broker. Uh, sorry, not a book about Robert Moses, a book by Robert Caro about Robert Moses, The Power Broker, which anyone who lives in New York City or used to live in New York City, it really should be required reading. It really helps you understand how the city works, doesn't work how transportation works and doesn't work in New York City. And Robert Moses was very much a part of the story of Mayor Wagner. And it was Mayor Wagner who kind of finally, along with some of the things that Mayor Lindsay did, finally kind of undermined Robert Moses' power after many years. But I'm giving away a little too much of the book. But I will put both of those books on my Twitter feed so you can find them. I hope this lockdown doesn't last much longer. Vincent Canato's book about Mayor Lindsay, which is called The Ungovernable City, is not a long read. The, mayor, the, the book about, about Robert Moses by Robert Cairo is a very long read, but both are incredibly worth it, and both will let you understand some of the things about crime in this city. Um, and again, you know, Mayor de Blasio falling, falling into the same politically generated hole. When you say to everyone, either explicitly or implicitly, that you are not going to blame the real criminals and you will make sure that political, your political enemies will be blamed for any and all problems, whether they are responsible or not, which is something Mayor de Blasio has done by trying to blame Trump or white supremacists or whatever he wants to, uh, whatever erroneous group he wants to attack here. It allows for crime to get worse because it doesn't put a, focal, it doesn't put a spotlight on those who are really committing the crimes. And I don't think that the mayor should be singling out by race who's doing it. I think he should just say, here are the criminals. Show a picture of the suspects. If he doesn't want to say, hey, these are African-Americans doing it or these are Latinos doing it, I understand that. And I don't think that that's all that important. But it is important that he doesn't put it on another racial group. It's stupid. Now, if he wants to say, here's, here's a picture of Joe Smith, our lead suspect in the attack on a, a Hasidic Jew in Borough Park, and he shows this picture, which he should do, and it is not racist to show a picture of a suspect, you know, if there's a decent amount of evidence, we're not going to just show random pictures. 
that's another issue, obviously. This been, that we've had issues like that in the past where, where people put up the wrong picture or the wrong sketch, and we can talk about that. That's another discussion. But if the mayor wants to do that, he doesn't have to say, hey, look at this black guy. <laughs> uh, in the description of the, of the criminal, they should say that it's an African-American just so they can help find him, if this is the case. But the mayor doesn't have to go on and say, hey, this is a big problem with the black community. I think that quietly, out of the reach of the cameras and the microphones, he can meet with some maybe African-American community leaders and say, hey, what can we do to stop this? And if he isn't getting cooperation with them, then he can take the politically, I think, bold step, which I think would actually help him in the polls. And this isn't just for Mayor de Blasio. This is for any politician. If after you try to do this quietly and you you try to make sure that you aren't demonizing groups as a whole and using blanket blame and not trying to just pin it on the actual criminals but after you've tried to do that for however a decent amount of time and after you've let met with leaders of those communities and if they are giving you pushback and aren't helping then you can say then you could say the following sentence hey we've got a problem in brooklyn african-american men are 99 times more likely than anyone else to attack jews for no reason physically in this we need to figure out why this is happening and mayor de blasio can say like well i'm not an african-american i have an african-american wife and mixed-race children. This hurts me personally. I want to figure out what the problem is here. I've tried to meet with the leaders, and so far they haven't been that helpful, so now I need to ask all New Yorkers to help me. If Mayor de Blasio gave a speech like that, not only would it be the right thing to do, if, again, the African-American leaders weren't helping, and for all I know, they, they had been trying to help with this problem. I really don't know of any major pushback on the mayor here. What I do know is that the, all I know is that, is that the mayor doesn't really seem to think that it's a problem. He's trying to blame white supremacist groups. There are no white supremacist groups in New York City of any, any number to, that, that isn't laughable. But I think that if the mayor had made a statement that I just made like a moment ago, it would boost his popularity exponentially. You know, I, I talk about campaign strategies and communication strategies all the time when I write my columns, uh, very often here on Novak Now. And one of the things that you have to understand is, as... As, as, a, as a consumer of news and as a voter and as someone who watches politics, that and I, I run up against this all the time. Conventional wisdom about what's good or bad to say or good or bad to do in a campaign is often wrong. And if Bill de Blasio's advisors or his own gut is telling him not to make a statement like I just made a moment ago, not to come out and say, hey, obviously not all African-Americans are guilty here, but we have a problem here in Brooklyn you know, where the mayor lives. We have a problem here in Brooklyn where, where there are so many African-American men who are attacking Jews. We need to figure out why. Is, is this because they're African-American? Is there something going on in their churches, in their communities, or in the, or on the, street, or on the, in the neighborhoods where they live, where they're encouraged to do this? We need to figure this out. Is there something that the Jewish community can do differently to protect itself? You know, I don't think you should blame the victims here. I think that if he would make a statement like that, his popularity would soar. And he could start thinking about running for another office, maybe running for Congress or whatever when this term ends. But the time has passed for him. He's failed on so many different messaging uh, challenges and on so many different just on-the-ground changes in New York City. And he's, he's, such a, he's such a failure that when he makes these kinds of mistakes now, it's never done in a vacuum. Now when he makes these kinds of mistakes and talks about only the Jewish community when he's talking about breaking the crowd rules during the COVID-19 lockdown. Yeah, it's going to be considered to be an anti-Semitic attack because he's let politics skew all fairness and decency 
in the way that he speaks to the city. It had already reached delusional levels late last year when he was blaming non-existent white supremacists in Brooklyn for the attacks on the Jews there. After that, there was no good place he was going to go to unless he got some kind of real help with, with that kind of delusional thinking that he could somehow score a political point that way. So, folks, this is where we are. I hope the mayor comes to his senses, but I'm not holding my breath. I'm Jake Novak. I hope to speak to you again next week.